my imperfect journey has led to about 120 pounds now of weight loss and it's been very imperfect the minute i tried the lion diet for me i became just like i wanted cupcakes even though i hadn't eaten cupcakes in like months i'm like i want them just because i told myself i couldn't and this is what i, I want to stress because people come to me all the time and they're like i fell off i'm a failure i'm just i can't do this it's like yes you can the big thing is i say the first four weeks focus on I was an average sized child. It wasn't till later on in like when I was 12 that I actually started gaining weight. I have been on antidepressants since I was 12. I had been pre-diabetic from the time I was 18 and I full blown type two diabetes by the time I got to my late 20s. I have three autoimmune, so I have rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia and scleroderma, fatty liver. I mean, the list goes on and on for everything that I had. I was in the hospital the day before and thought I was gonna die. So I had like this seminal moment in my life. It's like, if I don't change right now, I'm going to die. My first two weeks, I think I lost 15 pounds. My blood sugars, my type two diabetes, like I've cured it, it's gone. My doctors have agreed, all of that. I'm curious with those next 100 pounds, are you gonna do anything different? Well. Amanda, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. Many people come to the carnival diet and they want to lose weight. And many people struggle with losing that weight. And I know Amanda, a year ago, you were 360 pounds and you just decided to eat meat and you lost a hundred pounds, but you've also had your ups and downs in that whole health journey. So today, Amanda and I are gonna talk about the 10 things or the mistakes that nobody else really talks about that might be stopping your weight loss on a carnivore lifestyle. But before we get into all that, I wanted to ask you a question that I've never asked any of my guests before. How are you doing, Amanda? I am doing, today, I'm doing good. It has been rough the past, gosh, six months, five months, something like that. I had amazing success my first eight or 10 months. And then my soul dog died. And I've actually never, I guess I'm blessed in this way. I've never experienced losing somebody that I cared about so much. And that kind of threw a wrench in things. I struggled for a long time. And that kind of led into then... I've had this whispering, like, just this voice in the back of my head. It's like, you've got to get off all of your drugs. You just, you just got to get off of all of them. Like, it's terrible. Like, you're, you're not doing so great because you're still taking an antidepressant. And a few months after Rosie died, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna taper down off my antidepressant. And that sent me in a very, very bad spiral. I have been on antidepressants since I was 12, very young. And it was <laughs> disastrous. Uh, the only reason I'm actually sitting here today is because my husband was with me as I was going through the withdrawals. And it was a struggle to get out of that hole again. But today, I feel amazing. You know, it's it's been a struggle back out of the hole. But looking back on the progress I've made and yesterday for the second time, I tried rollerblading, did terrible at it, didn't fall, but being able to do that. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. So that's really important. That's why I wanted to, for Amanda to open up how she's doing at the moment, because that is the first thing or the carnival mistake that nobody's going to talk about, which is when you start carnival and you just want to eat meat and lose weight, you kind of want to aim for that perfection mindset, which is, you know what, I'm going to do this perfectly. I'm going to do it absolutely amazing. I'm going to get amazing results. I want to get off all of my medications. Let's just stop them and let's just see how it goes. But as you can see with Amanda's experience, when you kind of take it too fast, it can have some detrimental effects. So especially when you're first starting carnivore, don't just go off all your medications. Make sure that you're doing it. Make sure that you're seeing a healthcare practitioner. Make sure that you're getting the advice that you need because it might not always go the way that it's meant to go as we see with Amanda. So I also wanted to talk about the your history before carnivore. You had 16 comorbidities. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, um, actually, in it, I ended up getting diagnosed like eight months ago. I had something else. So I technically had 17, but no matter. 
the biggest one was I was a type 2 diabetic. I had been pre-diabetic from the time I was 18 and I full-blown type 2 diabetes by the time I got to my late 20s. I was only having to take metformin, which is an oral medication. Uh, let's see, I had polycystic ovarian syndrome. I have three autoimmune, so I have rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia, and scleroderma, fatty liver. I mean, the list goes on and on for everything that I had. Like, it's it just... Actually, I have it listed on my website because half the time I forget, I had so many. How long did it take you to get those 16 or 17 comorbidities? Um, most of them resolved within the first six months. I will say like my blood sugars and things like that, within two weeks, I wasn't having to take the metformin anymore. I believe within about two months, my fasting glucose levels were about 90 and then at the six month mark, and the reason I mentioned six months, this is just how I my blood work fell with checking things and checking my fasting insulin and things like that. At the six month mark, I went from thinking my, if I remember correctly, my insulin, fasting insulin was like 14 and then it dropped down to six right there, which is considered normal at that point. And that's like the first stages of a type 2 diabetes, being a type 2 diabetic is having elevated insulin levels and uh, poor or high levels of insulin resistance. But fatty liver, same thing, about six months. But I should add a caveat, it always depends, especially with diabetes. If someone's taking insulin, if they've been a diabetic for, you know, 5, 10, 15 years, how much they move around, because I went from being literally sitting on the seat, or like sitting all the time, to I then went walking every day. And those kind of things really impact how well these things get improved, or how fast. Absolutely. So you had like such a big journey in terms of starting carnivore. Most of those diseases and inflammation kind of went away quite fast, but you still had some left over. So that is, I mean, look, is it a mistake? Is it something that people have to, I guess, um, adjust their expectations when they start carnivore? Not everything is going to resolve either straight away or resolve completely. So meat salt and water or the carnival lifestyle it's not a cure for everything it's you have to be in this lifestyle because it's the most nutrient dense diet but not everything goes away because you still have some some things happening for you that haven't completely healed yet yeah i still have the autoimmune the fibromyalgia the ra scleroderma and then i have it's called hs it, it's terrible i can't remember it's like hydrosuperativa or whatever it's another autoimmune thing um it has gotten immensely better. Like I can't even, I can't even explain how much better it's gotten. It was to the point where typing on the computer hurt my hands so much. The fatigue, I couldn't get out of the bed. The pain, my clothes touching my own skin hurt. 95% of that's resolved. The only time I really notice flare up now is if I eat off carnivore or if I've really physically exerted myself a lot, I will have issues. Actually about a month Six weeks ago, I got on the roof of our house and was cleaning moss off the roof. I had a flare-up that happened, an immune flare-up for about three or four weeks because little did I think moss and mold and I was breathing it for three days. So there's still things that can trigger flare-ups and that was a big one for me. Felt like I had gained all the weight back I had lost just because of the feeling of it, but it doesn't. And that's why I really want people to understand I, my blood sugars, my type 2 diabetes, like I've cured it. It's gone. My doctors have agreed, all of that. Because I've had people come to me like, you know, I've been doing this for four months. Why isn't mine cured? Well, I'm also 34 now. <laughs> my age, how long I've been a diabetic, gender, how much you move, all of this actually has an impact on it. And so I want people to understand that it doesn't just disappear. It's your body and how well it's and fast it's going to heal. It just, it, it varies, really it does. So if you had somebody come to you and they say, you know what, I've started carnival for one week. I want the weight loss. I want the healing. When is it going to happen? What do you say to them? Because I get this I've and had, you must get that as well. What I've do you say people, to them? They get, they get like, I want, I want, give me, give me the time frame. You know, my first two weeks, I think I lost 15 pounds. But I always tell people, listen, I had a lot of edema, a lot of swelling, like I had pitting edema in my legs. It was 360 pounds. I didn't move a lot. Like a lot of fluid was down there. I said, you know, probably 14 of those 15 pounds was fluid loss. It is unrealistic to expect if you don't have the same problems I did, that it's going to come off as fast, right? And so I'm just, 
the first thing, the first four weeks, because a week is not enough. Like I had GI upset for like five or six weeks going from, because I went carnivore or uh, like cake one day, carnivore the next. It, it took a good six weeks. Yeah, it took a good six weeks for my GI tract to like settle down. So when people tell me it's like two or three weeks, I'm like, you're still, you still, you may not even be in ketosis depending on how sugar addicted and diabetes and stuff. So the big thing is I say the first four weeks, focus on eating the meat, trying to move as much as you can. And that's, if that's going from your room to get water and back three times a day, and that's all you can do, great. You know, if you're bed bound and you roll back and forth in bed and that's all you got, fine. Focus on consistency and worry about everything else later. Absolutely. I love that. And that goes into the other thing or the mistake, which is most people, when they start carnival, they want to do it for, you know, a few weeks and they think, oh, you know what? I can't do this. I have to give up. I noticed that in one of your videos, you said, push through that first 30 days. Yeah. Push through because you're going to experience all these different things, side effects, feeling like crap, headaches, fatigue, all the different things. Why is it important to push through? What is the light at the end of the tunnel that many people can see by pushing through? Yeah. People, um, the keto sticks or the ketone sticks and stuff, they can be helpful, but depending on where you're at, I'm one of these people, I can't have more than 10 carbs a day or I get kicked out of ketosis. So if you've been a sugar eater and you give yourself two weeks, let me tell you what, most of the time you're not, you're going to get all the crappy withdrawal from the carbs and you're going to be like, oh, two weeks, this doesn't work. I don't feel any better. Like so-and-so did it and they're like feeling great. Well, it's, you haven't hit your threshold. Um, there's a book I love reading called Atomic Habits, and he talks about their, he talks about like an ice cube, it melts, you know, it goes from like 27 to 28 to 29 degrees, and it's not till it hits 32 that you see any change in the ice. But if you quit at 31 degrees, and it's at 32, it starts melting, well, you, you put all that effort in, and you quit before you actually got to the peak. And that's what happens is people have these expectations based on other people's journeys that, oh, it's going to go this way. And then they don't give it enough time. As I said, it took me almost six weeks, six weeks. And this is like TMI, but like I had terrible diarrhea for like six weeks, like bad. Had to stay near the bathroom bad. <laughs> <laughs> and if I had months, it was months. Yeah. If I hadn't just sucked it up and dealt with it, I would have been like, oh, this doesn't work. But after the six weeks, it's like, oh, this is really nice. I only have to go to the bathroom after like two or three times a week. Everything's normal. I feel good. The energies come. And it's just like, it's not, it's not a magic pill and we have to be willing to experiment. And that's the thing is self-experimentation. What works for one person isn't guaranteed to work for the next. You just have to tweak it if you're willing to. And the people I find that are like, you know, it's been a week. Why have I lost any weight? It's like, calm down, slow your roll. You may have lost fat, but if you're moving more, you could have put on muscle. And secondly, there's a lot of inflammation your body has to heal. So sticking with it, the light at the end of the tunnel is you will feel better, but you have to find the path and the time that it's going to work for you. Absolutely. And the fact that for you, Amanda, you're only halfway through your journey. So it's not like, and that's the thing that I heard from your YouTube video, which is, you know, I'm not just talking about my start and end. I'm talking about the in-between. I want to share, like you want to share with everybody what you're going through, because it's not just a start and a finish. You still have a hundred pounds to lose. Yeah. I'm, I'm around that halfway mark. And that's the thing is it's really easy to look at someone's like before pictures and then after pictures. And you're like, Oh, I want that. But there are very few people who talk about the in-between and in-between is the hard part. It's the ugly, the crying, the falling off, having to get back on, having to own, okay, yeah, you know what, I didn't do so great and it's been kind of a stall, but that's okay. These are the things we don't see in between and we want the like magic Instagram pictures of, you know, losing 100 pounds, boom, boom, it happened overnight, but it didn't. It is a difficult, rough journey but it is absolutely worth it because it's how it shapes us. It's how it changes us and makes us grow. Now, another thing or mistake that you might be making when you start a carnival lifestyle is going too hardcore at the beginning, just thinking I'm gonna eat meat, salt and water, and that's it. But the thing is, especially when I first started, it was a bit too much. And I wish that I knew that I may need to supplement with some electrolytes. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're just starting, go heavy on the salt 
add salt to your water, add salt to your meals and see how you go. But if you still feel tired and fatigued, you just can't get your oomph back together. I would highly recommend using an electrolyte supplement. The one that I absolutely love is Element. I honestly wish I knew about this before I started Carnivore four years ago. This would have made my life so much easier because Element contains the right amount of sodium, potassium, and magnesium. And that is so important, especially at the beginning when you're trying to get fat adapted. Now I use this nearly every single day. I pop this one here, which is the raw unflavored option. I put that in my coffee. I'll put it in my water bottle every day. And that just gives me that right amount of energy that I need. The great thing about Element is that it doesn't contain any sugars, anything nasty. So you can trust that it's gonna give you the energy and everything that you need to feel great. And right now, Element is offering this free sample pack on every order. So you're gonna get eight single flavors of Element absolutely free on every order. So if you want this, all you have to do is go to drinkelement.com forward slash five minute body. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash five minute body to get this sample pack. And again, raw unflavored, absolutely exceptional. And thank you so much for Element for sponsoring this video. Through your journey of losing 100 pounds over the last year, have you had any emotional eating events like binging or, you know, having sugar when you shouldn't be having sugar? Because I know many people when they start carnivore, they just think, oh, I'm going to eat meat. And they think, well, why do I binge again? Why do I do the sugar thing? Has that happened to you? Oh, yeah. The biggest one was right after Rosie died because she had a medical emergency. I had expected her to live for at least a few more years. She had a medical emergency. We had to have her put down and then it lasted like 11 days. I didn't care, didn't care. I just wanted to eat to feel better and it did not make me feel any better. And about two weeks after that, I got back on, but sprinkled throughout here. I have spent from the time I was a kid all through my teens and 20s and up into my early 30s, using food for emotional support. It doesn't go away overnight. Like, and this is what I, I want to stress because people come to me all the time. And they're like, I fell off. I'm a failure. I'm just, I can't do this. It's like, yes, you can. Every time you fall off, figure out why, what barriers you can put into place. And if you fall off again, that's okay. Whatever barrier you used didn't work. Let's find a new one. And it's about getting back up every single time. So that was a big one. And then my periods, because I have polycystic ovarian syndrome, so PCOS, I've had some of the worst cycles of my entire life that, I mean, I would just, I'd have a period every two weeks sometimes. Sometimes I wouldn't have them for three months at a time. The hormone changes were crazy. So I used for a while there, like two squares of dark chocolate. And I realized, you know what, if that's what I'm using, that's okay, just to bridge me past it. And eventually I stopped. But then things, various big stressors have happened that I have eaten bad, but then I go back to carnivore. And that's the difference. On the diets I used to do, it's like once I fell off, I was done. <laughs> Check this diet's done, move on to the next one. But with carnivore, it's like, okay, I've stress eaten. Let's figure out what we can do to fix this. Get back to carnivore tomorrow or, you know, the next meal, whatever it is. And I've been able to every single time. And that, that's, that's like the huge improvement. What were the diets that you were on previously? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I've, done, I've done pretty much anything you can think of. Because I've been dieting since I was 12. No, no joke. Like there has not been a period in my life that I have not been dieting. No, like, so Adkins, the Whole30, I've done whole food veganism. That one was real tough and like made me feel really bad. But this is also before... I um, discovered I had autoimmune, which flared it up. Actually, I think that's what started me and sent me because I was 18 when I went to the doctor and I was like, I feel like I'm 80. What's wrong with me? And I was doing the veganism at the, that time. Um, let's see. My favorite one is I ate boiled white potatoes only for like three months. I did lose weight because I couldn't stand the idea of another potato. Uh, I mean, the protein spare, the protein sparing modified fasting. I've done fasting. I've just like the list goes on and on. I have so many diet books. I really should just get rid of them. Paleo, all of this. I mean, I just, it's 
It's ridiculous the amount of diets. I've done exactly the same. Exactly. I have been on a diet since I was 12. I've been on a diet since I was probably 18 because I had a night eating syndrome. So I'd wake up in the middle of the night. I would eat majority of my calories, over-exercise the next day. It was a cycle for a long time. Tried every diet. I don't know if you did keto. I did. I did do keto. Yeah. The reason keto didn't work for me is because it eventually it was like the the creep is what I call it. It's like, okay, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And then it's like, oh, I want pizza. So I'm going to make a keto pizza. And then it would be like this creep of I'm like trying to prepare the foods that I would use as emotional support and like no keto pizza tastes as good as a real pizza. And so it's like you're tempting yourself and it's like eventually you just eat a pizza. And that, that for me was the big thing was keto just allowed too much wiggle room. That's the whole reason I, I like carnivores it. Carnivore is it because my problem is, is I'm addicted to carbs and sugars. Well, if you're an alcoholic, if you smoke, what do you do? You quit. You don't just have a little bit here and a little bit there and this, this, and this, especially with like alcoholics and people who smoke. Well, sugar's an addiction. So how can I survive and get enough nutrients, but not have to deal with making that choice every single day? And I was like, carnivore, duh. Like, my brother introduced it to me. I watched Michaela Peterson. I'm like, this is the answer. And it was the answer for so many people, including myself. And you mentioned something about carb creep. Now, I know that in the start of your journey, I don't know if you're doing it now, stevia. Do you still have stevia? I have it every once in a while. I'm actually never been an artificial sweetener person. It makes me feel terrible. Like the aspartame. Oh God, I can't stand the taste of it. I strongly suggest if someone can get off of it and do fine without struggling, avoiding it as much as possible because it does keep that taste for sugar. But on the other side of the coin, if it's like having a little bit of stevia in your coffee every morning keeps you on the straight and narrow, I'm like, do it. If you don't find that it's leading you to think about candy bars and cookies and crackers and it's like that little thing that keeps you going, get three months, four months down the road and then try to reduce it down. Like we don't have to do everything at one time. One step at a time. I love that you said that. If it's something that is helping you stay consistent with just eating meat, because it's, it's a big change. Whatever you're eating before, because you went from cookies, cake to meat the next day. Like, I'm curious, does anybody else, has anyone else done that? I didn't do that. I was doing the keto and I was like slowly shaving off my avocado and walnuts. Like I just, I was just like so attached to my avocado and walnuts, had that a little bit. And then I was like, let me just do carnival and try carnival. And that was fine. You doing the cookies and the cakes and then the next day doing meat, I applaud you. But the thing is, if you have to have the stevia for, for people watching, have it. It's not an absolute mistake, but don't let it be a mistake about being your crutch and say, you know what? It's zero calorie. It's okay. And we're going to talk about calories. Um, that's, that's okay to have in my lifestyle because you want to have a lifestyle that you're not addicted to anything. Stevia can be addictive. Yeah, it's just a, it's a, it gives a hit that dopamine serotonin hit when you have it because it's sweet and that's what sugar does to us. And you know, I actually initially in the beginning, I'm like, if you can go cold turkey, do cold turkey. But as my journeys continued, I'm like, the reason I was able to do it is I was in the hospital the day before and thought I was going to die. So I had like this seminal moment in my life. It's like, if I don't change right now, I'm going to die. Like I had that moment and it changed my perspective dramatically. We don't experience many of those in our lives and we can't engineer them for ourselves. So doing the small changes, I'm reading another book called Tiny Habit. No, yeah, Tiny Habits. It works really well if you haven't, if you've read Atomic Habits, Tiny Habits is really good too. They pair well together. Making the small changes are what make permanent changes. And that's why I think it's super important if people can not go cold turkey, I don't actually suggest that anymore. But if you can make changes and then step into it, then it's not this dramatic of like, oh, I went from cake and cookies one day to carnivore the next. It's like, no, this becomes my lifestyle and it's easier to sustain and maintain. Absolutely. And that goes into thing or mistake number six, which is understanding your why and not seeing carnivore as a diet. Amanda, what was your why? You had a big why. I don't even know I should ask you this question. What was your why for doing carnivore? I did. My... Actually, I kind of have two whys. My first why was I discovered it when I was sitting in the emergency room wailing in pain. The poor people next to me probably literally thought I was dying. And I remember looking over at my husband. And my husband's tall and slender. He pretty much has his entire life been that way. And I remember looking in his face, just the agony, the pain, the worry on his face. And I'm like, 
I put that there. By the choices that I made to trade my future life for the uncomfortable not dealing with the emotions right now by eating, like resolving my emotional issues in that moment by eating, I realized I had put him in that state. My decisions had put that anguish on him. And I'm like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person that inflicts pain and suffering on somebody else because the choices I made. So that was my first why. And then my second one was, is I realized as I started doing this journey and shared it, like I started sharing my journey two weeks after I started carnivore, is I used to work in physical therapy and I loved it when I started. And then just the bureaucratic red tape and documenting and notes and stuff, I stopped loving it so much and I feel, felt very lost. And then I started doing the YouTube things and I realized my other why is, if I can take all the bad experiences I've had throughout my life of why I got overweight, because I mean, I was, I was an average sized child. It wasn't till later on in like when I was 12 that I actually started gaining weight and all the pain and anguish and stuff. And I can share that with someone and encourage someone else sooner or even later in life that they don't have to be in this pain and suffering. I'm like, that is my why. I want to help improve the world, even if it's just a tiny bit every single day day. And so those were my two wives, my husband, and wanting to have an impact on the world. And also your, your dog, Rosie, you said in one of your videos that um, you wanted to save your dog, Rosie. And if you couldn't save your dog, you were a failure. Yeah, that, that is what led to that, that episode of that binge. And that was a why to, for me to get up every morning is to take her, to walk her, to get her to extend her life. Because she, I mean, how old was she? She was 12. Yeah, I should have been 13 this year. So she was 12 when um, she had her emergency. And I just wanted to extend her life as humanly much as possible. So I got up every day and we did our morning mile and I walked her. And, you know, the day before she died, we did an eight mile hike. She never in her entire life had been able to do an eight mile hike because of like the physicalness of it. But we'd worked up that way. And so... My dogs probably are a big why. I, I, we walk them every morning. Usually they get a long, you know, three to five mile walk. And this new dog that we have, like spending an hour a day training her outside. So understanding your why is a big thing to help you stay on the lifestyle. Helps you push through that first 30, 60, 90 days. Because especially when you go out and eat, travel, do these different things, and you see the carbs and you see all the cakes and you have that association. And I know that another thing that you like to say, and it's another kind of thing that people really have to think about if they want to be successful is they just think that, this is number seven, by the way, they think that when you do carnival, oh, I'll just eat meat, everything's gonna be fine. The world's gonna be fine. But you say that 70% of your success, 70% of your success, Amanda, losing a hundred pounds came from your mindset. The rest is what you eat and some other stuff. Can you elaborate more on the mindset piece? The eating is the easy part. We know to eat meat. It is dealing with why, like if you, cause I always tell people, I can only talk from a binge eater perspective because that's what I've experienced in life, right? Like I experience binge eating all the time. Being able to address why and confront it. Like I never, I never admitted I was a binge eater. I never wanted to look at why I was doing it and never looked at like this self-fulfilling prophecy. I am a failure, therefore, if I eat bad, I'm proving I'm a failure. And then it would be like this downward spiral. And between reading Atomic Habits, and I know people can be controversial about this, but Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, those two books are what started me on the path of self-evaluating and looking at how I was taking care of myself mentally and physically. There's a chapter, I don't remember which chapter, but it's pretty much in the Jordan Peterson book that talks about how we are so good about giving our dogs their medicine, feeding them on time, taking care of them, but we take care, terrible care of our own selves. Why? You know, like the dog wants us to take good care of ourselves, but why can't we? And uncovering all of the pain, the suffering, the lies I've told myself, and a big one was... I like to tell this story. Do you know how they can uh, catch monkeys in the wild? No. Okay, mm -mm. so what they do is they'll take, like, I find a banana grove, and they'll take a cage. It's a small cage, and they hang a banana inside. Well, the cage bars are so small, if you stick your hand in it, you can't get it out with a banana. 
And all it takes is sticking that cage in the center of the grove and the monkeys surrounded by bananas, but they see this one banana they can't get. They stick their hand in the cage and will not let go of that banana because they can't pull it through the bars. They will thrash until they're exhausted and they pass out. They just carry the monkey off. That's how they catch them. And humans were like that. We grab onto something and even though it's unhealthy, mentally, physically, whatever it is, we just will not let go of that. The I'm a failure, you know, whatever it is, the thought is we'll just hold on to that and thrash around and harm ourselves. And I learned through those two books is letting go of the banana, just let go all the baggage that I've accumulated in my life, the negative thoughts, the this, the that, just letting it go. Sometimes I pick it back up and I have to remind myself to let go of that banana again. And that's what I, my husband and I actually say to each other, just like, let go of the banana. You've picked it up, let it go. That has been one of the greatest improvements. And I think the reason I've had so much success. And the other thing is, and I haven't mentioned this while in a video and I just it occurred to me, I used to always, and I think most people have experienced that negative voice in their head. It's almost like, almost like a split personality, not that it is, but that mean, you can't do this, you suck, you're going to fail. That voice that just constantly is saying negative thoughts. It took a few months for me to realize that eventually like through carnivore and being my word and doing what I needed to do, that voice like disappeared. And that I think was a huge mental health improvement for me. And why I continue with carnivore because who wants to be like crapping on themselves all the time and those are just such big things it's so true I even spoke to Kerry I think it was last week um so he's homestead how and he has lost oh, I think it was a bit over 100 pounds and he said that he spoke to you as well and um he was talking of the the main thing that he found on carnivore when he started that the brain clarity the brain like he was just so calm. He used to have such bad anxiety that even when he said, you know, even to this interview with me, that he would just want to die. Like he didn't, he could not speak to somebody. He just would avoid all the situations. He'll just, you know, go under the blanket, doesn't want to do any of that. But the thing about carnival is that when you do it long enough, it really gives you that mental clarity, the calmness, calms everything down gives you the ability to actually see life in a better way. I don't know if like, you're, you're experiencing that. And that's, again, the benefit on the benefit on the benefit. It just makes you want to go for longer. I'm curious with those next 100 pounds, are you going to do anything different from the last 100 pounds that you've lost to lose the next 100 pounds? Well, yes and no. Yes, because I will be doing different things in the sense of trying new things like I got rollerblades. I have not rollerbladed since I was probably 12. And what's so funny is I'm not afraid of heights, but put me on rollerblades and I'm like petrified of falling. <laughs> so then that will be the new stuff is doing things I haven't done, going places. Like I can't, I don't remember. It's It's been an old video. I had a lot of PTSD. I was in an accident. Um, I was got T-boned and my car was totaled oh gosh, right before we moved up to Washington State. And this is when I was like at my heaviest. And I would not leave the house. I couldn't drive just because I'd have such PTSD. I wouldn't leave the house for months at a time. Just I literally wouldn't even go outside, not out back, not out front. I wouldn't leave the house. My anxiety had gotten so bad. Like just literally leaving the house was like panic attack level. And now within like six or eight weeks, paddle boarding, I can go and like, this sounds like nothing to someone else, but I can go and drive places by myself. Being able to be alone again because I'm not anxious anymore. Meeting new people, talking to strangers, all of that would have been just sent me into a spiral where I would have just like had a mental meltdown. All of that is so changing. And for me, it's not just the mental clarity. It's just like the weight of the anxiety. You know, the weight loss, I think, has helped a lot with that. But also realizing we're all new at everything at some point in time. Like the rollerblading, I suck terribly. My husband has to hold my hands so I don't fall on my face. But at some point, maybe weeks, months down the road, I'll be good or decent. It's getting those training wheels on everything that you have to try new. So like when you did carnival, you're probably thinking, freaking out, like, how am I going to do this? How, like, you know, I was eating cookies and cakes and pies and all these different things, binging and like all these things, how am I going to eat meat? And you did it one day at a time. So with the rollerblading, you're going to be an ace because it's practice. The practice makes the, I like to say imperfect because we don't want to be perfect. And that's another mistake. Number eight that people do, they, they, they try to be perfect on carnival. 
Try to be imperfect on Carnival, I say. Be consistent and have fun. We are perfectly imperfect. There is not a perfect human being on this planet. <laughs> we, there is not a perfect human being on this planet, no matter how much they think they are. We are all imperfect. And trying to, it's like setting ourselves up for failure. Trying to meet an ideal we can never, ever meet. It's like, it's like just cutting your knees off and wondering why you're not taller. It's like, understand, like, aim for 100%, but be 100% fine with only hitting 80 or 90. And then as time goes on, we can tweak and get a little bit better. But that's actually my biggest complaint about the carnivore purists is shaming people into doing like you have to do this you're because I do dairy I don't do much anymore but it's like and I do coffee <laughs> it's like you're not carnivore because you do these two things it's like it's what keeps me going forward so don't shame people into falling off because they don't meet your ideals it's like find what works for you and be okay with it because my imperfect journey has led to about 120 pounds now of weight loss and it's been very imperfect. I love that. The ups and downs and the imperfection, you've had a 120 pound weight loss. So it doesn't mean that you have to eat this and this and this to get your results. Whether if, Even if it's not weight loss, even if it's healing, the fact that, and even it's so interesting that the more you stress about something, even that can affect your hormones and your cortisol and just make your inflammation worse. And that's why a lot of people, they might even do beef, salt and water and then they might see that they don't lose any weight. It could be different things, but a one thing it could be is because they're stressing themselves out and they're doing something that doesn't feel natural. It doesn't, it's like, I feel I am restricted and I wanna eat like, you know, pork rinds. Well, eat pork rinds, like it's better than cake. Yes. <laughs> now, that's actually a good point is the more we stress about stress out, it's like trying to push a round peg through a square hole. I went two months of like stalled weight loss. And it was because I was, I had let myself obsess about the lack of weight loss, but I was going to the gym multiple times and I was walking further. And it's like, look for the small things and they don't even have to be the weight on the scale, the small improvements. Cause that's what makes such big differences for us. Like it's just, it's so important. Focus on the small things. It didn't take you a month or two months to get you, you know, 360 pounds, it's going to take you a while to revert that weight. So that's why the long, you know, extension towards, it might take me a year or two years. So when people come to us and say, how long is it going to take? Well, it's always having that reflection mind in terms of, well, how long did it take me to come here? Even think I've put on hundred pounds, 200 pounds, even I want to lose, for example, 50 pounds. How long did it take you to put on 50 pounds? So do you think it could take that long or a bit less to lose it? it th that's a fair equation, right? So even having that in mind is setting yourself up for success and you can enjoy it so much more. Another thing that you mentioned before about the rollerblading, and this isn't like a thing or a mistake, number nine, which is the exercise. Um, you like to exercise for fun. I like to exercise for fun. Some people are like, oh, what is the best exercise to lose weight along with the carnival? Oh, how much weight should I be like lifting? Should I be doing 10,000 steps? What's your take on exercise in the carnival lifestyle? My definition of exercise is like not the standard because I tell people I don't exercise. I move around. I do what I enjoy. And because the minute I say I'm going to exercise, it's like going on the elliptical for 30 minutes just to lose weight. It makes it stressful unfun and I don't want to do it. It like requires this amount, immense amount of willpower I still do not have to force myself to do it versus taking the dogs for a walk or a hike or biking or rollerblading, paddleboarding. Those are things I enjoy doing and they're activity. So I tell people, don't worry about exercising. Find something you enjoy doing that involves some kind of movement and do it. The minute we turn to, I have to do X to lose X amount of weight, it's made it, we've become our own jail, literally. And then we never, there was a quote, and I cannot remember exactly how it said, but pretty much the more that we push ourselves in, the more we want to push out. And that is what makes us, at least for me, made me feel constricted. Like I tried lion diet, just salt, beef, water. It was way too restricted for me. I like chicken every once in a while. I like having a little bit of heavy cream in my coffee. 
And I found that the minute I tried the Lion Diet, for me, I became just like, I wanted cupcakes. Even though I hadn't eaten cupcakes in like months, I'm like, I want them just because I told myself I couldn't. Go back to slightly loose, fine. No problems, no no feeling stressed. That's so interesting. I'm I'm the same way. If I if I try to say, oh, I'm going to restrict, and we didn't talk about calories. I was going to ask you about that. That's another mistake. Um, having a calorie number. If in, and look, I've never been, I've been 40 pounds heavier than I am now. So look, I have never been overweight. But the thing is, I did have eating disorders, um, over-exercising, all these different things. The moment I say I'm going to eat 1,200 calories, I did that for ages, 1,200 calories, I was 40 pounds overweight. The moment I'd say I'd eat 1,200 calories, I'd binge. That's when I'd binge. The moment I'd say like you, that I want to do carnivore and then just be really strict, or let me just do beef, salt, and water, I binge on even meat. I can still binge um, and I get really uncomfortable because I just feel I can't get enough or something. But if I just have variety, it doesn't have to be that much variety. It can just be five things. Even the beef, um, butter, bacon, and eggs is really great with some salmon. Just some variety really, really helps. I wanted to ask you about the calories. What do you think about calories on carnivore <laughs> or in general? Calories are a very poor metric for the human body. It only considers heat energy, but we have mechanical heat and chemical energy on how we burn. It also doesn't take into account, are you burning ketones, fats for fuel? Are you burning sugars? And then also, even if you eat some kind of, some amount of carbs, your body at sometimes will go in and out of ketosis, just depending. And it's, it is such a linear equation. The only thing I find it helpful for is Every once in a while, I will count my calories, not to limit them, but it gives me a gross overview of how much energy is in the food. Now, a calorie eaten is not a calorie burned because there's so many other factors involved in this. Our hormones, all of this, it is a restrictive way of eating. <laughs> and I'm a binge eater. I've experienced binge eating. Moderation is not my thing. The minute I feel like I have to moderate, it's like, I can't eat three Oreos. I eat the whole pack. I make myself sick, but I eat the whole pack. So the only reason I ever suggest someone use calories is are you eating like five pounds of meat and you're emotionally eating the meat because it gives you an idea, but it's never to say, oh, you should eat 1200 calories because that doesn't work. It just, it's such a, it's just such a linear equation. Absolutely. The other thing that you just said there that eating five pounds of meat, so doing carnival doesn't mean that you can eat unlimited meat. It, it's not like a free pass to go binge on meat. And I felt that at the beginning, I was like, oh, that's great. I'm going to try carnival and I can just eat unlimited quantities. So it's like, again, the diet mentality. It's not like that. It's not unlimited anything. You still think, and it's not about the portions, about how something looks and let me have the smallest portion and my husband has a bigger portion. No, no, no. It is whatever the food's in front of me. And if it's more or less, how am I feeling physically, mentally, and emotionally? And the emotional one is a big thing, especially for us binge eaters. It's like, what am I eating because I'm I'm trying to fix something that happened before and I'm feeling stressed? <laughs> or am I really hungry? Like, is there another way that I can help with my binging? What are ways that you help with your your coping mechanisms? Like you had a saying that that is the banana or something you said? That's oh, no. letting go of the banana. <laughs> letting uh, go of the banana. Is that, what is a coping strategy for your binging? The the big thing is understanding the stress. Like I have to recognize it's there. Like I can feel it, but if I don't recognize it, I can find myself wanting to go that direction and addressing it. One of the, in this atomic habits taught me if there's something we need to do or something's on our mind, do it, do the small things because it opens up space in our mind. And I find now if I face head on, whatever, the stressor is, if I face it head on, I can get past the binge. Like one of my dogs, dogs, always my dogs, she has, it's called anisocoria, and it's where one pupil is larger, they're not dilating symmetrically anymore, and there's a ton of different reasons, and this has been my like most recent stressor as I'm sitting here looking at her right now, is uh, it can be like a tumor, it can be, she just hit her head, like a, t a TBI, but like a non-neuro-based one, anywho. 
facing it head on. And so like with her for that example, it's like, okay, if she has a brain tumor, she has a brain tumor. There's nothing I can do about it. If she's hit her head, it's not like I can have a conversation with her and ask her, did you hit your head? Is that what's causing this anisogoria? And understanding I have no power and no amount of stressing or worrying about it is going to change it. I've done what I've done to figure out, you know, what may or may not be it. And we're at our, we're at an impasse. So she's either going to get better or she's not. And I've done what I can in accepting that. So anytime a stressful event happens, facing it head on is a big thing. And then with the food, I always tell people, I actually never really learned as a kid what true hunger felt like. I was always given a plate of food, eat everything that's on it. So I didn't have to know how much to not eat or eat. It's whatever my mom put on the plate. Now when I'm eating, it's very interesting because Dr. Barry says, eat until you're comfortably stuffed. For me, that's too much food because it just is. I found when I eat till I'm comfortably stuffed, I've eaten too much. I don't lose any weight. So what I do is I eat until I'm no longer hungry. It's a very interesting feeling. I'm not hungry, right? But I'm not full. It's like this. I don't feel anything. I'm no longer hungry, but I'm not feeling full. I just, I feel neutral inside. And I found that is my key of knowing how much to eat versus just eating and eating and eating my and learning that. And it took me months to finally understand what hunger feels like, not the hunger here. <laughs> if I ever feel hungry in my head, it's always a craving. Okay. Well, can you teach me like how to do that? Because I suck at that. How do you do? Okay. I struggle with that. So I will eat and then I will feel like really full because I, not too, too full, but I feel really full. Again, I don't have to lose weight, but I do want to have that intuitive feeling of not hungry and not full. I'm actually never hungry, but I just eat at certain times. Is that what you, you do as well? Or do you just eat when, when you're hungry? I eat at certain times, but it tends to be now, like when I'm hungry, it falls around those times. And it depends. Like yesterday, I was super active. And those days, I probably should have eaten another meal just because... Normally I eat like 15 chicken wings and I'm stuffed yesterday. I was like, I'm still hungry somehow, <laughs> but I'd spent like eight hours. So then do you eat more? It tends to be the days that I do a lot of activity. I do, I do have myself eat a bit more, not tons, but maybe I would have eaten like 17 or 18 chicken wings instead, not like a whole nother plate. Um, but it does vary. Some days I eat very little. Like one time someone asked me, they're like, they calculated out my calorie intake and it was like 800 for the day. And it's like, I didn't do much that day. I wasn't hungry. And then the next day I ate 17. So I'm like, I, that's why I don't bother with calories. It varies so much on how active we are, depending on what our body needs. It's just listening to it or learning to listen to it. I love that you said that. And that's another, there's so many mistakes or things. I just had like one more, but that's another one. Um, so, so, so that's the thing. You don't have to eat the same amount amount, not calories or whatever amount every day. If you don't sleep enough, if you're stressed, if you're more active, if you are feeling sick, it's going to be affecting your hunger levels, all those things. So it's okay to eat less. It's okay to eat more. What matters is over time. And that's the normal ups and downs. And then over time, your body loses weight. So that's why even weighing yourself every day, do you weigh yourself every day? I don't. I find it it puts too much of a burden on how much weight. Because here's the thing, a gallon of water weighs like 8.8 .8 pounds. So if that day I just happened like yesterday, I drank a ton of water because I was outside sweating all day. I definitely, I could tell you probably weighed two more pounds this morning than I did yesterday because I drank so much water because I sweated so much. I think it's a very personally bad idea because then it makes me my cortisol levels skyrocket because it's like, how could I gain two pounds? Well, logically, I know how much water weighs, but it's like this angst and stress. I do once a week. And that's going to make you want to binge as well if you weigh yourself and then you think, well, well, I've been so strict. I've heard this so much in our carnival group. I've been so strict, you know, this, 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 and I weigh myself and why am I up two pounds or something? Well, because they're weighing themselves too often or maybe they're having something that they shouldn't have, which has some salt, which has something in it that causes sodium retention whatever, if you don't sleep that much, it can cause some, not weight gain, it's fluid retention. And on the scale, you're like, why did I put on weight? But you actually really didn't put on weight. The last thing, mistake or thing that I wanted to talk to you about is fasting. It was so interesting that you said that when you fasted more or did OMAD, you didn't get better results. Yeah, no, I did not. Uh, fasting is to me, like there's, there's health benefits for fasting. But 
but, but, but the research that I've done into it is it's almost me. And this is not for everybody because I can only talk for myself. Every time I tried to do a fast, I was trying to make myself lose weight faster. Every time. I wasn't doing it for some health benefits or this or that. It's like, I just want to lose weight faster. And I just realized it didn't help. It always, always triggered me to want to binge. Why? It made me rely solely on willpower to get through. Like they always say the first two days are the worst. But like my dog started looking tasty. Not that I'd actually eat them. But, you know, just I would get so hungry. Things I normally like, I hate clams and stuff. But I saw some, I'm like, oh man, that looks real tasty. And it became this obsession about food versus normally on carnivore. The only time I think about food is in the morning. It's like, talk to my husband, what are we going to have for dinner? Let's take it out and thaw it. And so we eat bacon and eggs for breakfast almost every morning. We have a discussion about dinner. And then until like five o'clock rolls around, I don't think about food. With fasting, oh my God, everything, everything. I love watching Korean dramas. And they have a lot of food in their shows. And it's like, I had to stop watching them because it was so painful when I tried to fast watching them. That's a thing. That's another thing is that when you watch movies or if it, like I used to watch um, food channels and just, you know, it's just fun to watch. That makes you want to eat. And especially when they're not cooking carnival stuff, it makes you want to eat like food that you shouldn't eat. On top of that, if you're fasting, it makes it like much more harder. So it's interesting you are actually intuitively fasting because you're eating two meals a day, but you got to it naturally without thinking about it. So many people, when they start carnivore, they're like, I've, I'm just going to fast harder, stronger and harder for better results. And then it backfires. So doing it the way that you're doing it is working the best. Um, I think that is kind of like, that was more than 10 things or 10 mistakes that Amanda has kind of done, made, things to improve, to help with the weight loss journey. How can people find you, Amanda, if they want to hear more from you? You can find me on YouTube. That's at CarnivorousMe1, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And that's, and I also have, if anybody is interested in seeing my blood work, because that's a big thing. People are always like, you're going to have a heart attack. I actually see a cardiologist. Not that I have cardiac issues, but my doctor was concerned about my LDL. So I'm like, just send me to a cardiologist. Funny enough, the cardiologist does ketovore. Anywho, you can go to carnivorousme.com and I have all I have all my blood work from when I started, plus all the advanced cardiac panels and all of that up there. So well as my autoimmune stuff too. Wonderful. And I'll link all that in the show notes down below so you can find Amanda, find more about her because she's a wonderful YouTube channel. She does a lot of real videos. I was watching a lot of them to prep for this interview. I was like, wow, like the struggle is real. It's not about presenting perfect carnivore. It's presenting what it actually is like. I don't think many people talk about that. And that's why I wanted to chat to you today. Thank you for having me. It was very fun. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Amanda. Now you need to watch this video next with Lisa Duncan. She is a three-year carnival and she'll talk about the 10 carnival rules that she breaks and still sees weight loss. I'll see you guys next week.